0: Welcome to the Power Podcast, and this year's 2020 theme, Power Perspective. I'm your host, Malia Warner. This year's episodes are all about creating 2020 vision, and today I'm sharing some insights about life I learned from visiting Denmark and seeing art, sculpture to be exact. This is episode 64, What I Learned in Denmark from Seeing Torvaldsen's Christus and Statue of Hope. Hello friends and welcome. So glad you are here today. How are you doing? We are week three into coronavirus quarantine. During coronavirus, several museums are offering free virtual tours and the Torvaldsen Museum in Copenhagen, Denmark is one of these. Two years ago, I was able to travel for the first time in my life to Denmark. And while I was there, I was able to see some original sculptures by the historically renowned sculptor Bertel Torvaldsen. And while there, I was also able to visit live and in person, the Torvaldsen Museum. And I had quite an impactful experience while I was there. And for a couple of reasons, this experience has been brought up to me again this past weekend. So for today's episode, I thought it would be fun since we are homebound now for me to bring Copenhagen to you in your living room or wherever you're listening and tell you about the experience that I had seeing Torvaldsen's work in person. And then if you are longing to escape the confinement of your family room, then you can take, courtesy of the internet, a little virtual trip and log into Torvaldssonmuseum.com and have a virtual tour along with audio guide of some of the statues and pieces that I'm going to talk about today. I have had very few, a small handful of experiences in my life where I have encountered art and experienced that take my breath away kind of feeling. One was nearly 20 years ago when I went to Italy And in Florence, I was able to see Michelangelo's David. And I remember being lined up and there was a big crowd and we're curving back and forth through the ropes, working our way through the museum. And I remember the moment that we came around the corner into the room where I caught my first glimpse of the statue of David. And it literally took my breath away. That was how I came to really understand what that expression means. I could not breathe. I was so overcome by this Michelangelo statue of David. And I experienced it that week touring Rome and seeing other works of Michelangelo, Moses, and the Sistine Chapel. And Michelangelo is not overrated. This podcast is going to make it sound like I'm such a world traveler because I'm talking about going to Italy and going to Denmark, but really I went to Italy like 20 years ago and then it wasn't even until 18 years later that I left the country again to go to Denmark and I had to get a new passport and everything. So I'm really quite a homebody, which is pretty good news when you're stuck at home with coronavirus. It's not too hard for me. And of course now I'm so glad I went to have this experience and experience a lot of things. Denmark is amazing. It wasn't a country I'd really ever expected to visit before and so neat. I would highly recommend it. But Denmark and Italy are very artistically related, especially in terms of the life of Bertel Thorvaldsen. He was born in 1770 in Denmark. He's of Danish descent, but he spent 40 years of his life in Italy studying art and working on the art he was commissioned to do. He had his studio in Italy. And in Copenhagen, I will never forget the feeling I had as I walked into Torvaldsen's museum alone, into the main exhibit hall, and had that same take my breath away experience that I'd had when seeing Michelangelo's David. His work is beautiful and inspiring. And today I want to talk about three of his sculptures in particular. His most known work is the Christus statue, the stand alone marble statue of Christ, the original of which is located in the city of Copenhagen in the Church of Our Lady, along with statues of the 12 apostles. Those originals are all located in the Church of Our Lady in Copenhagen, Denmark. And I'm going to talk about that statue third today. What you need to know before we dive in is that the works of Bertel Torvaldsen are located throughout the world, including Poland, Germany, Norway, Sweden, the United States, Mexico, Italy. In fact, Torvaldsen is the only non-Catholic sculptor whose work is found in St. Peter's Basilica in Vatican City he was commissioned to create the tomb monument of Pope Pius VII. And something interesting to me about Torvaldson is that he was neither Catholic nor evangelical Protestant, the two prominent religions in Denmark. In fact, he was criticized for not being Christian enough to create a statue of Christ. But while historians don't know a lot about Torvaldsson's personal beliefs, other than the fact that he was not an openly practicing religious, go to church every Sunday kind of person, they do know that he was educated enough in the Bible, in the New Testament, or that he sought advice and education from New Testament experts, that he was able to create They call it the program, the way that the statue of Christ was set up in Church of Our Lady, the way the inscriptions were, and those were biblically accurate. So either Torvaldsen himself studied and knew and had hidden beliefs, or he went to great effort to make sure that his renderings were biblically accurate. So, if you want to see the original works of Torvaldsen, you'd have to hop from country to country to country. What is cool about the Copenhagen Museum is that you can see replicas of all Torvaldsen's work in one location. The Torvaldsen Museum was erected to house replicas of all of his works, and Torvaldsen himself is buried in the courtyard of the museum, which is located next to Christiansburg Palace in Copenhagen. And I will include links to the museum and to the audio tours in the show notes of this episode. Another important thing to know, especially if you go to TorvaldsenMuseum.com and take the virtual tour, is that the replicas are not done in marble. They're done in plaster, and plaster over time blackens. So when his statues look black to you, that's because they're plaster replicas, while the original marble ones. Would be white as long as they've been well cared for. Okay, so now that you're prepared with that historical information about Torvaldsen, I want to specifically mention three of his works that you would be able to see if you took a virtual tour of the Torvaldsen Museum. The first is the statue Goddess of Hope, the second is Torvaldsen with the Statue of Hope. And three, of course, is the Christus, along with a brief mention of the statues of the Twelve Apostles. And actually, I want to mention a pre-number one. We'll just count this a little appetizer. There is a statue in the museum of the author Schilling. And I love how Torvaldsen depicted this writer with his pen at his heart. And when you look at this statue, you get this impression that this writer writes from his heart. So I just had to throw that in there. You know me, you know I like writing. So of course I'm going to love a statue about a writer writing from his heart. So there's a little appetizer teaser for you. But let's go into number one. One of my favorite statues from the, the museum is the goddess of hope. And my understanding is that this wasn't a completely original design by Torvaldsen, but he was He'd either seen a similar statue, or he was inspired by a similar Greek statue, and he created either a copy or his own version. So he was inspired a lot. He learned a lot by studying the Greek sculptures. What I love about Goddess of Hope is how she is perfectly balanced while she is moving forward. And that's very unusual. I've talked about in episodes before about how, when we're progressing, we're naturally off balance. Anytime we lift up our foot to take a step forward, we're going to be a little bit unstable for a bit. And that that's a good thing, that that means we're progressing. And so we don't need to feel like being off balance is a bad thing. We're not meant to be constantly 100% balanced or else we would be standing still. But in this statue, Torvalson captured the forward movement of hope while being perfectly planted on a solid foundation. And the statue herself is completely balanced. And it makes me think of that is the goal, that is the goal of hope to be balanced and to strive for balance and foundation and having our feet firmly planted while also moving forward in hope. To see the statue in person, I love the ripples of her dress, the robe that she's wearing. I do not know how sculptors can make stone look soft as fabric and flowing as fabric. Another thing that's cool about this goddess of hope is, as I said earlier, Torvaldsson was not the only artist to sculpt a statue like this. The statue of hope is a common figure. It's an allegorical figure. It can often be seen on memorials or monuments, in graveyards, in church courtyards, in cemeteries. You could travel the world and see many different renderings of the statue of hope. In fact, we are all very familiar with one of the most popular renderings of a statue of hope located in the New York Harbor. Yes, the Statue of Liberty is a rendering of this common theme: statue of hope. Hope is one of the seven virtues of the Christian religion, and Torvaldson wrote that he was inspired by the scripture in Hebrews 6:19, which states, "Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure." And steadfast. This brings me to the second work that I wanted to talk about. This statue is called Torvaldsen with the Statue of Hope. And this piece is a self-portrait. I don't know if you would call that a self-sculpture. This is a piece Torvaldsen created of himself working on his Statue of Hope. And there is so much in this piece that I love. So many messages to take away here. Torvaldsson chose to portray himself in a work situation. And in the piece, we see three stages. There is a solid block of marble depicted showing the raw materials before the project even begins. And then we have the statue of Hope herself. And then we have Torvaldsen who has depicted himself as he is at the time, 70 years old. And he is leaning on the goddess of hope statue. And I love that image of him physically leaning on hope. The description from the museum says, we see him engaged on completing the goddess of hope on which he is leaning. But just at this moment, he is taking a rest and has lowered his tools. And then he has turned away from the statue. We cannot know what he is looking at, but we can, of course, make a guess. Perhaps he has a momentary doubt as to how some detail should be carved. It may be that he is doing something as basic as studying the plaster model of the goddess in order to find the answer to some question or some doubt. It might also be that he is making a more general attempt in his mind's eye to conjure up the idea of the goddess of hope. What this piece says to me, what I love about Torvaldsen's creation is that it's a depiction of someone literally working on building hope. He is working on creating hope. It is his life's work. Here he is as a 70-year-old artist working on building hope. Another note about this piece is that in real life, Torvalson measured five foot six inches. In the statue, he has created himself to be six foot two inches. So he's added eight inches to his stature. I don't perceive that as egotistical. From the way this piece is presented and the idea behind it, I think it signifies that we hope were the things we can become. We hope to attain the things that we aspire to. And that by leaning on hope, we can become the actual vision in our minds of who we want to become. Aren't we all sculptors of our life, authors of our life story? We create our life. And we do that first by having a vision of who we want to be. And I love that he has an artistic rendition of his vision of who he aspires to be and that he accomplishes that in his life by leaning on, by working on hope. I relate to this. I feel like in my life that hope is a choice, Hope is something I can choose to cultivate, I can choose to focus on, I can choose to feed. In my church, the first Sunday of April is always a worldwide conference. And with the global pandemic of the coronavirus, this conference was still held. There was no live audience. The speaker spoke alone in a theater, recorded, and everyone participated watching on video from all around the world. And I want to share a quotation from Elder Jeffrey R. Holland. He gave a beautiful address about hope. And he said, Even as we speak, we are waging an all-hands-on-deck war with COVID-19, a solemn reminder that a virus 1,000 times smaller than a grain of sand can bring entire populations and global economies to their knees. When we have conquered it, and we will, may we be equally committed to freeing the world from the virus of hunger and freeing neighborhoods and nations from the virus of poverty. He went on to say, may we hope for schools where children are taught and not terrified that they will be shot and for the gift of personal dignity unmarred by any form of racial, ethnic, or religious prejudice. It is our relentless hope for greater devotion to the two greatest of all commandments, to love God by keeping his counsel and to love our neighbors by showing kindness, compassion, patience, and forgiveness. These two divine directives are still and forever will be the only real hope we have for giving our children a better world than the one they now know. We can hope, we should hope, even when facing the most insurmountable odds. We all need to believe that what we desire in righteousness can someday, somehow, be ours. For me, living with hope is a choice. I can decide. I get to choose if I want to see the world pessimistic and gray and gloomy, or if I want to create my artistic vision to be a world of hope And then do everything I can to work on that hope. To bring to pass the creation of that hope until it is real. If you want to see for yourself the sculpture that I'm talking about, you can see it at TorvaldsenMuseum.com. You can also Google Torvaldsen with the Statue of Hope. I've also seen it titled Torvaldsen with the Goddess of Hope. There are a lot of cool symbols and metaphors and meaning in this statue, including that the goddess of hope is holding a pomegranate flower, which is a symbol for eternal life. And on one last interesting note, Torvaldsen had thought that this statue perhaps could be placed in the courtyard where he was buried so that he himself in statue form could welcome the guests that would come to visit However, marble does not do well in the outdoor winter months in Denmark, and so it needed to be kept indoors inside the museum, and it is within its own, own gallery there in the Torvaldsen Museum in Copenhagen. So you can go inside the museum, go to gallery number 20, say hi to Torvaldsen's self-portrait, self-sculpture, and then go out to the courtyard and pay your respects to Torvaldsen himself. Okay, and number three of Torvaldsson's work is the Christus. As I said before, this is the work for which he is most known, it's the most recognized, and I actually have grown up seeing Torvaldsson's statue of the Christus without knowing anything about Torvaldsen or where he was from or his life and work as an artist. So I grew up in Utah, I'm living in Utah right now, and in downtown Salt Lake City, the main tourist attraction is Temple Square, where the Salt Lake City Temple is built, and then there are visitor centers and other buildings, beautiful gardens that anyone can come and visit, except for right now, because it is well-closed for coronavirus, but then there's also a four-year restoration going on with the Salt Lake Temple. But usually you can visit Temple Square, and in the main visitor center is a statue of the Christus. It is, I believe, in marble, that it is a marble replica of Torvaldsen's Christus statue. And as a child, I have memories of visiting Salt Lake City. We lived about three hours away, three hours south of Salt Lake City, But as a family, when we would go to Salt Lake City, particularly at Christmas time to see the lights around Temple Square, we would go into the visitor center and sit in front of the Krista statue. And I didn't know, even before I had arrived in Copenhagen, the story that the original Krista statue would be there in that city. So all of my life, the Christus statue has had special meaning. We even in my home growing up had a small replica of it that sat on our piano. And this weekend at the Global Conference, we learned that the new official image for the church includes a depiction of Torvaldsen's Christus. Right now I'm going to play for you the audio guide recording as if you were in the Torvaldsen Museum with your own personal tour guide. And I don't think it's copyrighted. The virtual tour is free and this podcast is free. So just something, just some art that I'm sharing along for you, my listeners. The guide has much better words to describe the emotion of the experience than I do, as well as a far more charming accent.
1: Without our being quite conscious of it, a certain solemnity descends on us when we step into this gallery. It's partly because of the level of lighting. The gallery is the deepest in the museum and also one of the darkest. The dark red of the walls reinforces the impression. And then the sculptures are not of marble but of plaster which has lost some of its whiteness over the years. But the solemnity is equally related to the symmetrical grasp in which the rows of apostles hold us along the two walls they line. There they stand, raised up on their plinths, and by virtue of their slightly larger than life dimensions prepare us for the almost three and a half meter tall statue of christ that's placed at the center of the end wall and then the solemnity really also resides in the christian theme the statue of christ is the best known of Torvasen's sculptures and the one that has most frequently been reproduced over the years of course it's partly inspired by earlier representations of christ but it's impossible to overestimate the effect it's had on the Protestant conception of what Christ looked like. And surely most people would also accept that Torvazan's Christ inspires awe on a quite elemental level, standing there so calmly before us, as though showing us the holes in his hands left by the nails with which he was nailed to the cross. His superhuman size and power remind us that it's he who shall come to judge all peoples living and dead on the Day of Judgment. The Thorvaldsen's Christ isn't shown here as a powerful figure standing before great crowds of people. He's on the other hand compassionate and forgiving, taking a step back and humbly bowing his head as he receives us, spreading out his arms towards us half in blessing and half perhaps in an embrace. The individual viewer is so to speak drawn to him, also to meet the gaze he's directing to the floor only a few metres in front of him. Seen in a worm's eye view from that spot before his feet, he seems bigger than ever before, and the beholder feels correspondingly small, very small. According to chapter 10 of St. Mark's Gospel, Christ once said, Suffer the little children to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of God. And he continued, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. After which, He took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them and blessed them. Torvorsen's Christ has all this. Thanks to his size, he makes us all seem as small as children. He opens his arms to us and perhaps he will grasp us the next moment and take us up into the blue vault above us to heaven. Christ and the Apostles were commissioned in 1819 for Copenhagen's new cathedral. But Torvazen's figures don't have the same power in the cathedral as they do in the shadowy surroundings of the Christ Gallery. Here, the whole array of figures are packed together in far less than half the space they have in the cathedral, and the result is a concentrated experience. The large, light, cool, indeed actually sober body of the cathedral, with its pews, altar rail and other necessary pieces of church furniture, does not itself make for any religious experience. But here, where Thorvaldsen's figures are alone, the empty floor provides room for an entirely undisturbed meeting with the merciful Christ. Room for magic, one might say.
0: Room for magic, one might say. And it is a different experience to see the Christus statue in Church of Our Lady, and then to see the Christus statue In Torvaldsen's museum. In the museum, as the guide said, it is a much smaller room and you feel like you have this up-close and personal encounter with Christ in the form of statue, where in the church the large room rather echoey, it feels much more distant. It's still very awe-inspiring. So I hope you've enjoyed this little podcast trip to Copenhagen, Denmark, and this audio tour of a few of my favorite of Bertel Torvaldsen's sculptures. You can check the show notes for links to everything that I've talked about today. And as always, I'm Malia Warner, and I will meet you back here next week for another great episode of Power Principles, the podcast. Until then, be safe, stay healthy.